0: Hi, guys. Welcome back to Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another fantastic day, another fantastic interview. I'm absolutely blessed to have such beautiful guests here on my show. And you guys out there, if you haven't figured it out by now, I mean, this is that. 205th interview that we are recording here today if you haven't figured it out that it might be actually quite cool stuff then obviously you need a reminder so press that subscribe button down there okay it's a beautiful button down there press it um i should have some subliminal messages press the button from now and then coming through but and tell your friends for christ's sake um because i've got amazing amazing guests here who are opening up their soul to me and who describe their journey. And we all have got one thing in common. We all have been survivors of trauma. We all have been in dark places. And that's probably the reason that you, the viewer, are coming here onto my show. And we we don't want to teach you. That's the wrong word. We want to be open and humble. And honest with you and drop the shitty facade, the kind of I'm all right, I'm strong. Bullshit, you are. No, I've cried my eyes out last night and I'm I'm absolutely there, but I've got the skills now to deal with that wave of emotions and be able to, to get on with it. And these are the kind of stories that I bring on here. And today is no difference. So please, Alyssa Stout is my guest today. Alyssa is a fellow author, Um, she is a woman who had her her fair share of traumas, and I loved the way that she was looking at the trauma, and to a certain degree at something that you can't just quickly deal with it, but you have to deal with it one trauma at a time, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. So Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on to my show.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: No, That's cool. Um, I'm sure you didn't grow up and in high school tell your teacher, hey, look, you know what? I'm going to be an author one day. I'm going to write a book about trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What did you want to be when you were at high school? What were your plans?
1: I always wanted to be a psychologist. Um, An author was definitely not it, but a psychologist
0: (laughs) is what I wanted to be. (laughs) Excellent. And what what made that happen?
1: I always went to therapy when I was younger. Um, It was just kind of like a thing that me and my family did. Uh, We always went, we had a family therapist that we have gone to. And I was like, you know, I really like this. This is someone helping not only me, but helping other people. And I've always wanted to be a helper. I didn't know what i knew i loved children and i knew i loved helping people so i was like okay let's be a child psychologist like put one-on-one together fuck me that's Uh,
0: that's that's, uh, that must be quite a unique thing because honestly every single person i have met in my life uh, pretty much given the story is that oh, no, 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 I don't need a psychologist. No, 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 I'm strong. But psychologists are from nutters. No, 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 we don't need that. And here you are introduced from a very early stage uh, to the benefits of talking about your problems, and maybe getting a different perspective, and maybe someone who, who can help you. And it's, uh, uh, well, what a what a breath of fresh air. I want to meet your parents. (laughs) uh, uh, The reality is, uh, uh, why were your parents clued in? What was their trauma? Why did they seek guidance?
1: So I'm the youngest of five. And my mom is a single mom and she always has been. So me and my oldest sister have 38 years difference. Uh, And so all of my siblings have very different backgrounds. Um, We have three different fathers within us. Um, You know, so it started out with my oldest sister. She was in a marriage that ended up going very bad. And my mom was like, you need to go see a therapist. And I was very young at the time. So she ended up going to a therapist and then taking her daughter to a therapist. And that's when I was about eight or nine and then my mom was like no I think we all need to go to a therapist (sighs) so it all just kind of uh spiraled from there and it it was it's really upsetting to me to hear about so many families that don't think mental health is a thing it's all just there's there's good kids and there's bad kids (sighs) no there's good there's kids that can um regulate their emotions and there's kids that don't know how to and and that's just <laughs> that's uh, how it is and i wish there was more families that knew that fuck
0: me <laughs> up there that there, that is Esme the mindful mouse. That's the prototype of our of my first children's book, um, and that is uh, together with Belinda Mana. It will be released next month, and it is exactly about that topic: about bringing emotions to children and uh, making them realize at an early stage that essentially. When people are angry with you, they're probably angry about your actions. They're not angry about you as a person. You're a good person, or in this case, a good mouse. Um, But your your actions might have been not so great. And to distinguish between those kind of simple principles, that can make a, a lifetime of difference. And that is something that many parents never were exposed to. And hopefully we can make a difference and you make a difference. Bloody hell, I didn't see that coming, that we are both (laughs) both from the same kind of ilk there. Bloody (laughs) hell. Um, So, which is beautiful, beautiful. And I always keep saying on my show, Christ, I would make it, if I was in power, I would make it mandatory that every uh, teenager is having a mandatory four weeks in rehab because Mm -hmm. that was. Psychology pure, that was you know all kind of assessments and then working with you and give you the best head start why why let you become a broken man when we when we can create strong children? Ah, right. oh, isn't it? So there you are, there you are, having actually a really good grounding and mm. the the beautiful thing of therapy, and wanting to become a psychologist, but then life intervenes. Uh, like <laughs> so tell me more about that
1: Um, So I had just moved home from my sophomore year of college In which I was a psychology major So I did go to um, college to finish out this dream And we came home and it was Mother's Day And my sister passed away in a tragic car accident um, <clears throat> It was extremely difficult for me to... Understand what was going on at the time. You know, I, I think a lot of people thought that since I was 20 years old, I kind of had the foundation of what this was. You know, I had grandparents that passed away. I had um people that had passed away, but this was a whole different whirlwind of emotions that I had no idea what they were. Um, but at her funeral, I received a call that I had been offered a position as a domestic violence intern um, an hour away back at school. And I immediately was like, absolutely not. I will not be going. I'm not going back to school. I'm done. And my parents were like, no, you're going. Like, you have to go back to school. So I packed up my stuff and I moved an hour back away um, one week after my sister passed away. And I became a domestic violence advocate where I started working with children and I started working with um, survivors who were telling me unbelievable tragedies, unbelievable tragedies. And it really helped me to push down my own. And it it was kind of like, well, I am not receiving the abuse that these women are receiving. So my trauma is not actually real. Like it's, you know, theirs is is more important than mine, the hierarchy of trauma. And it took me a while to realize that that wasn't true. That was just my coping mechanism to shut out my life problems and allow other people to allow me healing other people to just, you know, consume my life. And that took me down an even worse path. Um, Once I realized that, I became addicted to um, alcohol as well as um, cocaine. I developed an eating disorder and I hit rock bottom.
0: What did the alcohol give you?
1: The alcohol gave me a chance to forget. A chance to forget and a chance to create a new life
0: in those few moments that you were drunk. What were yes. you dreaming of? What was your how did you drink?
1: How did I drink?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Party settings. Right. Um party settings in which I, you know, I allowed so much more to consume me. You know, that's when in my party stage I I did the drugs, I did do alcohol, and I um, you know, had a lot of men like um was a a victim. I was a victim of myself, and mm. I fell very, very hard into this rock bottom. And then I was like, I don't know how to get out. It was like let me, like a- mm.
0: let me stay let me stay there in that pond a bit because we all take it so for granted yeah, and then she acted out and then she gets better. Um, but people don't understand what the acting out actually gives us why do we drink what is actually what are the needs that that fulfills us and i i always think it. in my case the alcohol comes with a sound effect the sound effect is ah uh, And, you know, two, three glasses of wine and my shoulders relax. There's a warmth radiating from my body. Suddenly, I'm no longer a middle-aged, overweight man uh, who is dealing with all kind of shit in his life. Suddenly, I'm back 21 again. And I put on music. And in my mind, I dance rock and roll. And and I do those things that I was really good at. And uh, I'm, I'm in my dreams, I'm even better. And it's great. And it's I love it. And then sooner or later, the tears come. Because I've been bottling up so much. And then finally, I, I said, oh, okay, let's change the music. Literally, I would put different music on Les Miserables, um, the, the musical. And I would bawl my eyes out because I had never learned to deal with negative emotions. So mm-hmm. finally, the alcohol allowed me to actually release the floodgates and sup and snot the works. Mm. And these are things, these are releases that are so healthy and unhealthy at the same token. It is, I've never allowed myself, I've never was taught how to deal with my emotions. So therefore, I mean, I was I was an emotional cripple. Mm -hmm. And those times, and that that was why I fell down onto the alcohol. So it's interesting. Here, you come from a different background. You had the psychological insights. You had the the therapy. You had all those things. Yet the alcohol was giving you something. The sex, the casual sex was giving you something. What was that? What was that need?
1: Adrenaline and chaos. My So... I like to think, like I said, the alcohol allowed me to forget the cocaine allowed me to rage. It allowed me to show off all the anger that I had. It it allowed me to be pissed off in the most fun way. And I I could get off all my anger because I, I was just hyped. I it it and And it was my way of bargaining. It was another thing of if I'm this close to death and I end up dying at some way I can somehow I can piss off my sister and i can i I can bring her back. it It was uh, such a circle of emotions that that uh, kept me into this addiction. Uh, and on top of that, the the normalcy of it, the normalcy of alcohol and cocaine and partying within college settings. <laughs> that doesn't get talked about of why, you know, like of the actual root behind it. I I I allowed my addictions to be normalized by my society, oh. the environment that I was in. And
0: so that was- and- So it was easy for you to get cocaine. It was easy for you to have alcohol and bloody hell. When I was at university, we had the student bar uh, underneath one of the the, the homes there. And, you know, you could get literally, I mean, uh, 200 mils of more or less pure alcohol Mm for $5 or something like that. And hell, two, three of them. And you were... (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's that's student life. And we accept it for that. We accept it as a means of spreading our wings, becoming uh, our own people, etc. But of course, for some of us who are going through trauma and who are getting derailed of any kind of, of normal life, this can become very interesting. And of course, you attract the right people. So suddenly, you—you are a beautiful woman. You're vivacious, uh, and needless to say, there will be other people that that gravitate towards you who have their own trauma and keep drinking to forget, or whatever, or are purely addicted and just get on with it. Um, so we find our own tribe. Was that the same with you?
1: Yes, it was, and it actually grew further than I thought it would. So once I left college. Um, You know, I actually got a job at Nation or at a children's hospital Mm -hmm. um, and I got to do my work there with children, but I was still continuing my weekend lifestyle because I lived with my, I lived with a group of college kids that I had graduated with. So my friend from my traumatic time, I lived with them afterwards as well. And it wasn't till until I had to leave that group and break away from them, which was um, I'd say about a year ago now, that I was like, oh my gosh, this was a trauma response that they were keeping me in. I could not heal until I got away from that group.
0: It's so beautiful how you say that I cannot heal until I've actually stopped doing this. this temporary Band-Aid, ripping it off every day, new Band-Aid on, new Band-Aid on, but you're not dealing with the wound underneath there. And that is so beautifully said. And we don't recognize it when we're in it because it serves a need. We are in pure survival. We're in pure adrenaline, cortisone, one wave of the other, survival. And we hate the pain and we love the pleasure. And initially the the pleasure is great because the two glasses of wine are beautiful. And then you need a bottle of wine before you get half a beautiful. And then you need a bottle of vodka because, you know, there is no more beautiful because you just keep drinking, isn't it? That was certainly my story. Um, And it is... uh, Wow. 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 What was the catalyst that made you stop chasing that lifestyle?
1: I was sitting in my kitchen one day and this is I call it my butterfly moment. I have it tattooed all over all over my body. <laughs> um I was sitting in my kitchen and I was at my bottom of rock bottom. My I'm done living. I I cannot do this anymore. I can't Get anywhere from rock bottom, I'm done. So I was sitting in my living room, and I was ball or in my kitchen, and I was bawling my eyes out. And my window was open. I swear to you, maybe a crack. And with my hand in my my head in my hands, I looked up, and there was a bright blue butterfly flying around my kitchen, to the point where I had to trap it in a candle and let it out. But I knew that that was my sister's way of coming through and being like Alyssa, I am here with you. I I'm going to make sure that we get through this together so which is why I have the butterfly on my book (laughs) but I it's my butterfly moment my sister came through to me and she said we're going to get through this together and I vowed from that day forward I was going to live my life through her and we were going to do life together that was my butterfly Okay, Are that's response. Right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 but equally, you had. <laughs> you were so. I uh, <laughs> bloody other <elder goosebumps laughs> keep going yeah. over the whole of my body. <laughs> um, the, it is, you were ready yeah. to hear that message at that moment in time. And it is so beautiful. Sometimes. Those catalysts, those, those, the the right things could be the phone call of a friend, or it could be, it could be a DUI, Um, it could be, you know, there are many, many different disguises in which guardian angels send us the message. And it, in your case, it was literally a little butterfly. and I, I love butterflies, so please, please, <laughs> I could see that. So I had a smile on my face when I saw initially the cover of your book. Mm-hmm. And then, but I thought, that's a bit of a dark butterfly. And it's, mm, so it looks a bit darkish. But then again, mm-hmm. now that you know that the story behind it, it's so beautiful. It is, it means so much. Um, yeah. Well, so the message was there. What, how did, how did, so you knew that moment enough is enough Mm -hmm. what were the next steps because you can't just have a really good party life do cocaine for breakfast uh, and chase it down with vodka and a man later Mm -hmm. or two vodka that is um, then and just say okay that's it now thank you very much
1: Mm -hmm. I took myself to
0: therapy therapy or rehab
1: Rehab. I took myself to rehab for three days. And then after rehab, I started going to um, therapy. Good,
0: good, good, good. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Um, And I'll talk about that a lot in there. So that's my steps to sobriety. What I'm pointing there is the old version, i.e. the first edition that is no longer on the market. My second edition will be released next month. And um, in there, I talk about the actually coming off drugs coming off alcohol specifically where there are quite where there's quite a need that you work together with someone who understands what is going in that could be an addiction counselor or even better your family physician or indeed a dedicated hospital either inpatient or outpatient because there will be traumatic changes that are occurring in your body your body is used to medications, is used to alcohol, is used to drugs, and if you suddenly stop that, your body says, "You've got to be joking," mm-hmm. and that's called a withdrawal, and that can be—it's rarely life-threatening, but it can be, especially if you've got other diseases or problems. So, therefore, please, 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 guys, um, when you hear stories of transformation and people getting clean, don't just say, "Okay, I'll try that at home," without any support and out out anything yes, you will need to get clean, because the addiction is its own trauma in its own right. And, and I love the way Alyssa has has labeled it, uh, my trauma made me do it kind of a thing. Uh, but it is the problem is what we then do, i.e. the addiction and the deeds and the actions that we take as addicts, well, that is its own trauma. So please, you need help. And and there's so many beautiful people out there who are willing to help you. And your family physician, your GP will be the very first port of call. Please don't forget that. So help is out there. It's already now waiting for you. Big message, big there. So cool. Three days of, re- uh, of rehab in the sense of getting you off the drugs in a safe way um, and letting you ride this storm of neurochemicals that is withdrawal. Can you remember much of those three days?
1: I don't. I I can be honest and say I don't remember a lot of specifics about the year after my sister passed away. And that is something that has kind of kind of torn me up because I know the the generals of everything that happened. But I cannot get the memories back. Of a lot of days.
0: And maybe and the same with me and the same with me. I and that's maybe quite a good thing. Mm-hmm. um because maybe there's a protective mechanism a bit there because the the actions that we have taken the situations that we have found ourselves in the situations that we created um mm-hmm. were for sure not nice i mean how many times do you wake up in the morning you think oh my god who is he or who is she in my case um something like that yes there is there have been times in my youth when where i'm so pleased when i say youth twenties, thirties, um, where I say, Oh God, but that was then, that was then. And, and it's, you, you accepted it already. And I hear that in your voice, that it is disturbing for you to realize that there are so many blackouts or lacks of memory. Um, but essentially that is something that, that comes in when you make amends and you make amends to yourself as well. And you actually say, OK, shit, um, that was then
1: mm-hmm.
0: and now is now. That's so it. three days of rehab, got mm-hmm. your shit sort of together biologically and, and metabolically, et cetera. What happened thereafter?
1: So when I took myself to rehab, I was still in college um, and it was about two or three weeks before we had to go back to move back home for the summer. Mm. Um, So I ended up moving back home for the summer, which was really good for me because I couldn't get the stuff that I needed to like I could back at school, Um, you know, like not like I needed to, if I wanted to, like, if I were going to relapse, I could do it very easily at school Mm. or back at home. I wasn't able to. Mm. So I did move back home, um, until my senior year in which I moved back to college and uh, I moved in with the girls that I had still lived with my junior year that, um, my addiction Hmm. started with. So it was a very rocky road for me there. It was a, my addiction was not back, but it was, because there were times where I would be like, well, it's just one time. It's, it's, it's not that big of a deal. And, and it would just be one time, but it was still, like, it, it wasn't, it, it still was not a healthy environment for me. So I almost failed my junior year of college. And, and I have always been the 4.0 student, the A plus student. So I almost failed my junior year. And when I came back my senior year with my friends, the first day of class, I saw my blue butterfly again. And I was like, all right, we're going to have a good year. And two weeks later, my um, professor came up to me and told me that I was eligible to graduate early. I had no idea how it happened, but I did. And I graduated a semester early and I went back home and I took that time to get my life back together.
0: Beautiful. Several things I want to pick up on there. First of all, the, the fact that you said, oh, just, just one time, just one day, that's called a lapse. One time is called a lapse and and a few days of it is called a relapse. Um, and that's, that's normal guys. mm -hmm. And if you're addicted, Welcome to our world. Eighty uh, percent chance that you relapse in your first year. Okay, so because you're talking about very powerful mechanisms that served you really well in some kind of weird, skewed way, um, that your body uh, aligned survival with alcohol. And it's a weird, weird, shitty thing that happens, but it becomes, the alcohol becomes as important um, as food, as oxygen, as uh, water. Um, and it is, it's weird. You don't get the alcohol life. Oh, like, well, wow. Your body goes in. Hey, 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 hey we can't have that. Mm-hmm. So that is what happens. And if you then certainly uh, stop that, interesting things will happen. Mm-hmm. So, But here you are, you went for rehab, you got off the drugs, you then went actually, uh, interestingly enough, back into a situation where you potentially were vulnerable. I'm gonna say potentially, several possibilities here. If your your fellow students have by now actually burned out themselves and actually said, now we are no longer into drinking, Um, well, that's cool. (laughs) <laughs> chances chances are slim that that is happening isn't it yeah.
1: <laughs> so they were still
0: they were still partying weren't they
1: yes yes, yes they okay. were
0: and that's of course hard that's hard it's availability you know i really don't want cheesecake but here have a have some cheesecake have a smell at the cheesecake yeah it's, it's really nice isn't it we are baking all day long you ride, right. great <laughs> as if you had no cheesecake so bottom line is you might have to take some drastic steps and in recovery of addiction, we certainly say try not to expose yourself to these kind of risks because it becomes far too easy. And so I'm really pleased that you only had a few lapses there, um, not not gone crazy. <laughs> it would have been too easy. But the butterfly obviously left quite an impression in your soul.
1: It really did, and it was it was really hard for me throughout school because my, my friends didn't see my life as an addiction, um, you know, because they did drink so much and because they did what, you know, they did not see theirs as an addiction. Mine was not an addiction. And that was really, that's where a lot of my relapses came from because it was like, I was, I had so hard to defend myself on, no, I I can't do this. I, I, I was addicted this I this is a relapse like I can't do it and they were just like what what are you like Alyssa it's fine it's it's just Uh, one time and uh, it was it was really hard and it wasn't until I moved away from them that I realized they were enabling my addiction and uh, in such a safe environment where I felt these would have been my best friends for five plus years that they were encouraging something that was hurting me so bad. Mm. It, it, I, it, I couldn't make that connection. Mm.
0: Your parting included uh, promiscuity. You, you exactly. And, and it's, it's lovely to have this, this kind of powerful, powerful, get to know someone go crazy. And, and go all the way. There is something very addictive to that. And it's not for nothing that there is sex addiction out there in its own right. Yes. Um, at the same token, I've had many, many uh, guests on my show who described quite a lot of sexual violence and and a rape culture in American colleges, in American uh, society. Uh, to, with with levels that sometimes blew my mind when you look at the, those kind of things. Um, how does that marry up in your life? Here you were uh, were there were there incidences that that people took advantage of you?
1: Yes, um, a lot. So uh, being the domestic violence advocate and the sexual assault advocate was hard enough because I heard survivor stories. And I, um, you know, I knew what sexual assault was and I knew the actuality of it, that it's not just a stranger that jumps out of a bush. It's usually your friends and people when you're vulnerable. And I, I knew the signs, I knew all of that was there. However, I was sexually assaulted by my best friend. Um, a few of my best friends by um, my boyfriend at the time who, you know, I had women come and talk to me that he had sexually assaulted them, like in my role. So that was very, very hard as well. Um, But yeah, I think that sexual assault comes with vulnerability. And when you are not in the emotional state to say yes to say i'm i'm fully here right now i and i fully want this and you know with alcohol with drugs with trauma you know sadness and depression you don't always have that exactly have that narrow mind to say yes i'm i'm fully okay with this and then after the fact you're like no he was just showing me attention and what I wanted at that time.
0: And I, it's beautiful that you say it like that. So yes, I actually needed that attention and'm I'm, I'm happy to trade sex for that attention kind of a thing. So there is it's there is sometimes so many things going on that I I wonder where the line is between him and you fulfilling their own needs, and you making a pact for one night, so to speak, typically alcohol infused and drug infused, but it's still it's fulfilling needs, sort of. Okay. And where does that then move into sexual violence? Mm. And that's really, really hard for me sometimes to grasp. Um Absolutely. So and I think, and there is no easy answer. I'm not by any way saying I've got a, a solution here, but I'm, I want to raise the, the awareness that that we all have done uh, have done things where we say the next morning, "Oh my God, oh my God." And lucky, yeah, so I think and that is its own trauma. So again, mm-hmm. you need to be able to talk to that. It with these kind of things, you were together with other people who did exactly the same lifestyle, who were as promiscuous as human and as as crazy. And and, and that was cool. Um, the, were they suffering from it? Was there a, a trauma aspect in those people that were around you?
1: I believe so. Um, in my own personal belief, I believe everyone has some sort of trauma that is mm-hmm. causing um you know coping me- mechanisms that they're not sure that's what they are. Um, so I believe that there were. and knowing their lifestyles and how they grew up, I can see little traumas where I can know, okay, this is what you're trying to accomplish with it. Mm-hmm however they have never expi- explicitly told me or themselves i believe that
0: i mean the acting out in its own right is is a coping mechanism mm-hmm. and the problem of course is we as addicts we have got a super dopamine response. So if you were to measure it in our brain levels, someone is having a glass of wine and they say, yeah, that's nice. And there are these weird people who have a glass, don't finish it and leave it on the table and get off the table. Who the fuck are you? What What? What happened? And can I have the rest of your glass? <laughs> exactly. So so then we are not like that, okay? Because we get that glass and our dopamine goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a missile up there. And therefore, so yeah, that's it. And that of course the same happens. This dopamine happens with with uh certain behaviors, the gambling, the sex, the the overeating, uh the adrenaline uh, nutters out there, uh in the nicest way, you know, there are there are yeah. this is all this is all either fulfilling needs to suppress something or to deal with something or et cetera, or to get high in because we are addicted to that dopamine rush to that. Wow. That's gorgeous. And unfortunately, many of the things that we use, are, however, incredibly self-destructive. And it sometimes looks more like suicide on an installment plan than actually a, 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 a life
1: of life, <laughs> man,
0: man, 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 man. Um, You it's and and what I love with you, Alyssa, is that you have got all that insight from therapy yourself as a young girl, then studying psychology, yet falling into this exactly same traps. I love that because I'm a doctor, I Mm -hmm. should know, (laughs) I should well no. Uh, what is addiction what is depression what is ptsd all those kind of things that i score yeah tick 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 right <laughs> I, I could see it in everyone else a mile away in myself no i'm fine i'm absolutely fine <laughs> <laughs> i
1: i i am perfect i don't know what anybody's talking about <laughs>
0: This oh, is not a
1: trauma response.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> the kind of bullshit we tell ourselves. Alyssa, oh, you make me smile because it's exactly <laughs> that. And that's the reason. If, if I look in, around in rehab, there were people from every strata of society. There were judges. There were drug drivers. There were women. There were boys. There were uh, people who didn't really know what they were. They were Everything is there. And so it...
1: I felt it was very inspiring to know that there were so many different walks of life huh. like me. Cause you know, it, there's such a hard stigma around addiction that makes you think that you're the bottom of the barrel and it, and that's, and that's not what it is. So it was like, it, it made me feel, it, ma- it made me feel normal to be at a recovery center and to be getting help for what I needed to be getting help for It's
0: Beautiful. It's beautiful. What was, I mean, you had already several traumas accumulated there. How did your journey actually start? How did they, what was the first onion layer that you can remember they sort of peeled back?
1: Um. When I was in middle school, I was about 235 pounds. So I was bullied a lot. A lot, a lot. So that's uh that's where it originally all started.
0: Interesting. You didn't touch upon that, did you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something I don't talk about very
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like, I like a lot. Um, I went from a very putchy, putchy boy, um, bullied, um, mm-hmm. to an um, lean, mean fighting machine kick-ass guy, um, mm-hmm. due to flow on effects of PTSD and trauma <laughs> uh, to then alcohol, to then patchy again, Yay! <laughs> full circle. <laughs> the,
1: you know, it's the full circle. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But it's just, it's again, it's a, it's, and I guess these are all things that we, uh, you might focus on one thing. i give you an example. When you, when you have got trauma as in real trauma, as in you have walked in front of a bus, Then you come to the emergency department and there is a bone sticking out of you and the eye hangs out there. Okay, everyone says, oh my God, there's a bone and there's the eye sticking out. So we are focusing on those kind of things that are very apparent and very right now important. Mm -hmm. if you then just stop there and that's a pitfall then you miss about 10 percent of the injuries and that's where we do do a primary survey where we're checking you head to toe and look is there anything that can kill you right now then we do a secondary survey where we go carefully over you head to front top to bottom everything finger in every orifice (laughs) um (laughs) don't try that at home kids (laughs) um And then the next day, we do a tertiary survey. And in the tertiary survey, you find 10% of things that you have missed the first time around. Mm -hmm. Now That is normal in complex trauma. Um, Guess what? That is also normal. And we look into ourselves when we look at into the trauma. So you might right now have to deal with the addiction to start off with. You need to get clear because otherwise your head will never understand what else is going on. And then suddenly here the next step was childhood trauma, the bullying, and your perception um, of yourself, the the lack of self love, the lack of the insecurity to, to all that. So you had that coming as the next step. Now that would have been not just one uh, one session, was it? <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs>
0: exactly that's interesting that 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 came out early because it's beautiful often enough we deal with traumas and deal with stuff in adulthood and we forget what actually happened to you as a teenager you sort of belittle that or think oh, no, no, that's just normal normal growing up in you it was other way around which is again unusual but beautiful
1: thank you yes it was it That's why I say one trauma at a time. I, (laughs) you know, I, um, Mm. it is something that still comes up a lot for me, you know, like they all do right now. I am very focused on healing from, um, you know, this trauma Mm. that I'm this healing journey that I'm on for my Mm. sister, you know, especially, my my birthday's tomorrow and I turned 24 and uh, she was 24. So this has been a little hard week for me. Mm-hmm. But um, that is definitely something that I, my bullying comes up a lot for me. Cause it's like, you know, it's where my imposter syndrome comes in. And I'm like, I don't actually have any right to be doing any of this. Like, who am I? Like my book, What what do I have to be writing a book? Like who the hell am I? Oh,
0: was so true. <laughs> but, so um, true.
1: So it's like, I, you know, and then I get insecure in my relationships, but it's, I'm at a point now where I'm able to recognize what our trauma response is. I I know when I need to heal them, I'm like, okay, this is something I'm going to put a bookmark in and (laughs) I'm going to figure out in a little bit, but Uh, I at least know what it is, where the root comes from.
0: Sure. And see, there is, there is if I look at my sexual promiscuity and my, my wilder life, I have to say that I was, yeah, I come from bullying and from never be good enough and, and all that kind of bullshit. And then suddenly you prove yourself, you actually, you conquer and you, etc. And it's beautiful. These, these, wow. And the, the initial night, if it's a mm. one night stand or the initial two, three, months if it is a relationship it's beautiful then it becomes mundane and then I was running for the hills um so I was addicted to to that conquering to that to that proving myself so to speak and imposter syndrome hell I invented (laughs) that okay so I know exactly how you feel even (laughs) nowadays even nowadays I'm 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 thinking to myself who am I Yes, I'm a doctor, but I'm not an addiction specialist. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I shouldn't be talking about that. Yes, I am a survivor, but so what? And it's that kind of bullshit. It is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Bullshit.
1: Complete bullshit.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's be honest here. So therefore, (laughs) you are a survivor and you are a psychologist. You are uh, one of these rare breeds like me. We have sat on both sides off defense the and therefore we are actually quite unique uh you are speaking out and that makes you unique because there are enough psychologists who have been doing absolute stupid things but they keep their mouth shut because they say no 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 if my patient was to find out oh my god and it's the same here with me as a doctor uh, other doctors come to me and say wow are you not worried that your patients find out and i say well actually i'm i'm it's not so infrequent that I mention it to a patient that I say, hey, look, actually, man, I, I have got a YouTube show and I see what you're going through. And maybe do you want to have a look at this this interview um, that might actually rework with you and, and might be right. of help. So do you, your journey, you're, you're coming out with your book. What did your peers make out of that? Did, were there any repercussions, positive or negative?
1: Um, I have gotten a lot of positive feedback from it. I, uh, you know, a lot of people that I went to high school with, a lot of people that knew my sister, they have all bought it, and you know, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from them. I think my most negative feedback right now would probably be from my family, who Ah. is just kind of like, (laughs) like, funny uh, that is, Funny (laughs) funny that is, yeah, that's kind of like you wrote a book, like. Okay, what what about it? But um, for for the most part, I'm getting a lot of it's. I'm very a lot of people who are inspired by it, and that is that's what I was kind of hoping for.
0: And that's exactly it. That's mm-hmm. it for those. And what I'm what I'm going here for here is the shame and guilt that is so these evil twins. I described them in my book, Steps to Sobriety. The evil twins. Um, they they write you. And they, they lie to you. They tell you that, oh, my God, if you come out into the open, if you tell people that you're an alcoholic, my God, the world will stop. Guess what? Everyone else knows out there that you're a freaking <laughs> alcoholic. Everyone else knows about your escapades. Nowadays, worse than ever. I mean, in the past, mm-hmm. at least, I... Uh, we partied hard, but we partied at a time when there were no cell phones with recording devices.
1: Hmm. So, <laughs> that, yeah, that's
0: right. There were no cell phones, actually, for that matter. And it was beautiful. I mean, I was renowned for the parties that I threw. And these were, I won't call them sophisticated, I will call them beautiful parties where alcohol was flowing freely and where there was an understanding that we we're all having a good time. And that would typically be on a Saturday night. And then on a Sunday, we would meet for lunch. Everyone was at a party or so, or everyone, you know, who wanted to come. And he would sort of try to, oh, you are coming with whom? Ah, in that car. And you're coming with whom? So there was this promiscuity, but it was the kind of, (laughs) it was a kind of good. Okay, we are playing. We are, this is all, we are young adults and we are living our life to the max. So that was the kind of life of we lived, and that was, that was a beautiful life. But still, it is—it was a life that was lived because we were all fulfilling our needs. We all mm-hmm. had our trauma. We all had our kind of things that we were, oh God. Oh. <laughs> so oh,
1: the life.
0: <laughs> but it is now. It is, but that was then, and nowadays we are there, and we are actually uh, telling the story for what it is. We are open. We are no longer. Hiding those things. And for that, Alyssa, I'm, I, I congratulate you because you are going out there and actually saying, guys, it's normal that you have gone through trauma. It's normal that you're acting out. It's normal that you fuck up, basically. Um, and it's okay that you have done that. It's not okay that you keep doing it. Because I mean, how many <laughs> bottles of vodka? How many men does it take for you to realize that maybe, eh, yeah Band Aid? That's right, exactly. Yeah. So, so don't beat yourself up though for what you have done, uh, but learn from it, accept it as as being a part of you, and that's what you have done. That's what you have succeeded. And that's a harder battle than anything you have fought in your life because you have won that battle. You have actually come to terms with your own soul, with your own, own you. Warts and all, scars and all, um, that's you. And that's the reason you can look in the camera and smile today. And And you have gone through some very traumatic experiences right now with me. And instead of reaching for a bottle or for something now to drown your sorrows, you're laughing with me and we're joking about the, the bullshit that we have done. Um, that's recovery. That's beautiful. That is, that is powerful. That's, that's, that's what I don't want to miss. If you had the chance to go back, if you had a time machine or a magic wand, would you change anything in your past?
1: I wouldn't change a single thing.
0: And that's virtually an answer that I get from everyone I interview. Um, Mm -hmm. I would need her because whilst I was a stupid idiot as a younger man, I am now such a different man because of that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I love the guy that I'm now. I hate the guy that I was then, Mm -hmm. but I would have never been the guy now had I not Mm -hmm. been the other guy.
1: Absolutely. Me Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. I wish I could go back and give her a hug. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A big hug, but I I love who I am because of her.
0: Mm. So the question then is, who do you want to be when you grow up?
1: I, I want (laughs) to build a mental health empire. I want to give Ted talks. I want to create a space for people to be able to share their stories. I want to give people tools that can help everybody to heal the way that they need to heal. Like, I just want to. Break the like every stigma around mental health that there is. Like, I need this mental health empire. <laughs> There's
0: so I many love empires it. in
1: this corporate world, we need uh, a mental health one,
0: Alyssa. You're so right, you're so right. You speak out of the deepest inner fiber of my soul. Absolutely, I love it. I love it. And I guess that's the cool thing what we are doing here. We are connecting. And an empire is people working together to create that. So Alexander Mm -hmm. the Great wasn't just hopping on an elephant and said, (laughs) "Okay, let's see how it goes. I I just go for a ride. No, no, no. He had a bloody big team around him. So what was Mm -hmm. to happen if we actually start putting the imposter syndrome, the shame, the guilt, all that crap aside and actually say, who do we really want to be? I, I ask you guys out there, you you're watching right now, you are all the way through the death part in the in our uh, discussion here. So, who do you want to be? And imagine that, it, dream of that person, and then imagine that life of that person, and really in every vivid detail, imagine that. And I did that recently. I did that in a in in, in a, an exercise with a, a life coach. Uh, she's just started out and I went along and I thought, yeah, okay, as support her thinking that I might be the only one in the audience. Uh, and as it turned out, there was a dozen or two dozen of us there and she made us do this exercise. She actually said, I want you to pair up and now for three minutes, I want you to describe the absolute perfect you. And I did that and we talked and then my partner did it and she talked and that was cool. And so we went on half an hour later, she said... Now, guys, I want you to now do the same partner exercise, but this time I want you to speak as if you are three years ahead, and I want you to describe your life. And I thought that's sweet, <laughs> goosebumps, <laughs> goosebumps. <laughs> and um, I turned around to her and started talking, and suddenly I was, I was this person, uh-huh. I was this. This I lived that world and these words came out of my mouth. and I, I, I heard the words, and I, what, what's happening here? I was that person three years down the line and it was such a powerful, powerful thing. So therefore, if I may please, please, please recommend you, ask you, force you, twist your arm, go try that, imagine who you could be and then stop the bullshit and actually take little steps towards that do you think Alyssa can make an empire fuck yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) absolutely (laughs) there is no doubt about that because it will you will be able to achieve tremendous things there's no two ways around that will it be an easy road hell no because some people will try to hijack you we call it tall poppy syndrome here Um, you lift your, your head above the parapet people want to cut you down. They find things negative about you, et cetera. Will there be naysayers? Will there be people who do not believe you? Um, Will there be people who will say, well, what are your accreditations? Who are you to do that? Yeah, people will try. These are, unfortunately, the voices that we sometimes listen to and we really shouldn't because they're probably the 1% who are a bit the jerks and the assholes anyhow. Um, whilst if you were to listen to the 99% who are actually saying, wow, you did that, wow. I could have never done that. And then if you actually say, well, actually, yes, you can. And if actually out of those hundred who said, ah, I would have never done that, maybe 10 of them make that. And then actually they have their little part of the empire. Can you imagine what we do to this world if we just keep going? actually making it okay to not be okay. And we
1: change everything.
0: Would it not? Would it not? And we can, we can, Alyssa. So I'm so so I'm really, really pleased that the universe brought us together because God knows where we stop. Um that is and but that's that's what it is. It's the opposite to addiction is connection. Mm. So if you can work with others, find a tribe that supports you and that empowers you to do the impossible, then there is, there is nothing impossible. No impossible. okay. 40 years ago, it was impossible to run the mile in uh, less than four minutes. And then someone did it. Okay. Mm. It's beautiful. Up to 2000 and uh, what was it... Uh, I, I don't know the exact date, but people said there is no way that you can record dreams uh, and that you can't do that neuroscientifically. That's absolutely impossible. Actually, get boom. I think 2014, the first studies came out where you can actually work in dreams and you mm-hmm. and record them and you think, what the heck? So mm-hmm. there is so much we don't understand, but with the right willingness and uh, the crazy, the crazy notion that nothing is impossible, nothing you will happens. find, you will find there's so much possible. So Alyssa, amazing. So I'm I'm so pleased that you came onto my show today, literally. Um, mm-hmm. Alyssa, t- tell me more, where can people find you? Where can people bounce ahead, uh, deal, uh, ideas around with you?
1: Yeah, so I actually have a website called, the, or it's called www.unspokenjourneys.com. Um I'm also on Instagram at unspoken journeys as well as TikTok on unspoken, unspoken journeys. <laughs> 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 um but yeah I am mostly on um my website um and I can be reached on there through my email.
0: And show well. us show us your book again please.
1: Yeah.
0: There you go. The unspoken journey that's and it's so beautiful. The blue butterfly there. Now you guys yeah. know why there's a blue butterfly on that. And mm-hmm. that's through Amazon on and where can people it's get it? It's on
1: Amazon for printable and ebook.
0: Perfect. Exactly. Oh, brilliant. Alyssa, there is no doubt uh that I might as well book another interview with you in about a year's time because there's no doubt actually we <laughs> will too, we too will have developed and grown and transformed to further things. And having said that whilst we are laughing about it now it might equally be that you might be in a really deep dark hole then mm. and that would be okay too because yeah. we are our journey is not full of full of blessings and full of yay uh that is most of the time but uh, virtually all of my guests I have had the pleasure of staying in touch with and you suddenly realize that someone is getting very quiet and you sort of think what's going on oh look I'm um some shit has happened and i'm really deep dug out so unfortunately only because you've just conquered one trauma does not mean that not the next one is waiting around the corner but with every corner uh with every trauma you'll learn new coping skills and you've figured out those things that maybe didn't suit you so well uh in the past you've ditched to the wayside and now you're a stronger person mm-hmm. and whilst to say whilst more trauma will come no doubt um meanwhile you might have built a tribe that supports you maybe you have built connections maybe you have got a coach maybe you have got you know the the trust in yourself that you say okay i will this will not be easy now but i will get through it mm-hmm. and that's a very different different stance than you had a very different attitude than you had maybe prior to your first trauma.
1: right absolutely so,
0: alissa thank you so much i mean this was a beautiful beautiful interview um i'm really really pleased that we got together thank you so much
1: thank you so much for having me on it was a beautiful experience
0: (laughs) and you guys out there come on guys join us come on to our journey and and it is there is literally what have you got to lose there Mm -hmm. is a new you waiting to be developed and and you know, we are just a little bit further down the road in our journey compared with you. We have been in your shoes. So, you know, don't give up. Just listen to the interviews here, follow Alyssa, uh, read her book and and draw from it. Draw the energy that you deserve, that you need to develop the new you, the new you that you can be proud of. And where and, you look in the mirror and says, mm, I love you. Mm. So stay strong. I believe in you guys. Bye.